Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see your smiling faces and dry faces as well after everything we've been through. Uh, I wonder if you've thought about life this way, how frequently we have to respond to what's going on around us, uh, whether it's when new demands are put on you or things don't go to plan. Maybe it's when you're given significant news by a loved one or someone gives you a generous gift. I'm sure you can think of uh, plenty of examples from your own life. And when we need to respond, to respond to each situation appropriately, wisdom calls for us to understand what's going on and to choose the best course. And God's word in Ephesians uh, that we've just heard read, it comes both as the message of what's going on above all else, uh, the extraordinary message of how God has loved us to himself. But it doesn't just leave us there. God shows us how to respond as well. Now, the chapters of Ephesians fall into two halves. Chapters 1 to 3 are all about God's loving kindness to us, his grace. And chapters 4 to 6 are all about how to respond in obedience. And 4 verse 1 is in the middle and links the two halves together and summarises the whole message of the letter. And so we read, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now we've been delving into the, what we've received over the last weeks, the extraordinary love of God, uh, giving us what we didn't deserve through nothing that we've done, brought us from death to life and made us together into his church. Uh, this is ours. And however it looks, because people will tell us it doesn't look very impressive, it might not even look impressive in our eyes, but look at it through God's eyes and what we see is wonderfully extraordinary. Now 4 verse 1 and what follows is yet another expression of God's loving kindness to us. Have you or have you ever heard someone uh, say, I'm lost for words because of something that's happened? Uh, when they're overwhelmed by such good news or such a generous gift that they don't know what to say. Well, our Father in heaven, as he gives us this incredible gift we've been hearing about, he doesn't leave us in the dark about how to respond. If we find ourselves going, I don't know what to say or what to do, through his servant Paul, we see in these chapters how to live a life worthy of this calling. Join to the family of the living God. Here's how to walk. Uh, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, actually, the way Paul keeps talking about how we walk. Uh, seven times he mentions it across the letter. The NIV has translated it as live, but I sort of mention it because it just gives you that helpful, you know, taking next steps, walking through life sort of feel. Uh, but it's all about how to respond to God's love, how to live, how do you think, what do you do? And this response, it's both an activity you do each day as well as you do one you do for your whole lifetime. Now, for those of you who like a bit of structure, and I know you're out there, uh, let me give you a heads up. 
Uh, we're going to stop here at verses 1 to 6 uh, first and then get to verses 7 to 16. And verses 1 to 6 has got three connected parts. Verse 1, the command to live out the unity that's yours, ours. Verse 2 and 3, the overarching how-to. And in verses 4 to 6, a reminder of the why. So while the command to live a life worthy of the gospel is there in verse 1, verse 2 and 3, this is the fundamentals of how you do that with a view to the next three chapters, you know, sort of setting the scene for what follows. And verses 4 to 6 look back at the unity that's been so much a part of the chapters past. But I want to just jump over in the first place, verses 2 and 3, uh, and take a moment to read 4 to 6, because this, this is our motivation. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What Paul is driving at here is that there aren't different levels for us when it comes to God's love, different tiers that we can be on in our experience. Not some he loves more and others he loves less. Not some he prioritises more highly or prioritises more lowly. It doesn't matter whether you're from the Israelites or from the rest of us, uh, whether you're a man or a woman. Uh, whether you're young or old, whether you have privilege in the world's eyes or do not, money, responsibility or culture that's different from others, God treats us the same, all the same with grace. We've been loved into the kingdom of God through the one Lord Jesus, given the same spirit to work in us. And that's why... Because of our standing in God's eyes, individually and together, uh, verse 2 and 3 is the overarching how-to in how to respond to God's love through Christ. Let me read it again. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So this is how we're to treat one another. One another, in fact, is another crucial phrase that's going to come up multiple times because, well, God has gathered us together. Uh, this one and this one and this one brought together to live out our new life. It's a one another experience. And remember, we don't create this unity. God's not asking us to do that. It's been given to us. But we have the privilege to uphold it and to live it out. And you can only do that successfully if we think and act this way, in the words of verse 2 and 3. It's God's way, isn't it? It's the way the Lord Jesus uh, treated us. Uh, it's the very mission of Jesus. He tells us in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, that though he deserved to be served by us, he put himself beneath us in order to lovingly serve us. Paul himself uh, talks about Jesus in Philippians 2 in a wonderful hymn about his humility in the way he's treated us as well. Jesus treated others, treated us as more important than himself. 
You can look around and see that life is made to live together, but it only works, doesn't it? Is this your experience when we treat each other with humility and gentleness, where we bear with one another in our differences and live at peace? How much more so our new life in Christ? Remember last week uh, I said there are two ways the word church is used in the Bible. Uh, First, for the gathering of all believers, we're told, who trust the Lord Jesus in the heavenly realms which are unseen, of which we're now, we're told, that this is, we're a part. The other way it's used, the word church, is for the local gathering, like ours, like we're here this morning. Uh, this reflects the heaven reality, and you can see it. Uh, By local, I don't mean you have to go to the church closest to your home either. I just mean, you know, physically gathered like we are today. And here's my suggestion as you read the rest of Ephesians. uh, When you come to what to put off and what to put on, when you come to those relationships where someone has to lead and someone follow, in fact, with everything there is to hear, keep asking yourself, isn't everything like verse 2 and 3, they're just worked examples. Uh, So we could spend more time talking about examples of humility and loving each other today, but I'm actually going to just focus on one, the one that comes in verses 7 to 16. But doesn't everything Paul commands us to do in response to what the Lord Jesus has done for the rest of this letter require us to approach each other in this way because God in his love has united us be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace which brings us now to verses 7 to 16 where the first outworking of this is to serve the body of Christ. Uh, In case you'd find it helpful for me to break it down a little, uh, verse 7 to 12 looks a bit like this. Uh, Verse 7 is about the different gifts. Uh, Verse 8 to 10, given by Jesus. Verse 11 to 12, to equip us in service. And verse 13 to 16, where it's all headed, that we might grow up together into everything he wants us to be. And for this, uh, Paul gives a great illustration. So that's the structure. I may wander around a bit in that one this time. Uh, And first, it's this illustration. I wonder if you saw it. Uh, It's there throughout verses 12 to 16. You know what it is? We are a body. Now, what is it about a body that makes it such a good illustration? Well, isn't it that each one of us have one? We're nothing but familiar with our bodies. But we all know that a body, the the sort of the, the one that we are, is made up of different parts, so many different parts. In fact, I started thinking about IKEA packages entering our house and the nightmare of the unmade IKEA furniture. The human body is like that, but wonderfully all put together for us, thankfully. Uh, And they work for a unified purpose, the different parts, working for the good of the whole, and it's brilliant. And what does it show us? 
it shows us that while all the important things which are the same among us in God's eyes, God has still given us differences that serve that great end he has in mind for us. You see, these words are still about our unity, but how the specific differences he's given us serve that unity. And so we read from verse 7, but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And what it's saying is uh, Jesus has given each of us grace or gifts, each and every one of us. Uh, It wasn't enough that he should give us the greatest gift of eternal life, where we've heard, haven't we, that's washing us clean from our guilt and sin by his death on the cross, the way he speaks in chapters 1 to 3. Now Jesus shares the riches of his rule above all things and the spoils of his victory over death by giving us ways in which we can serve one another under him. I can't delve into it in great detail, but that's what verses 8 to 10 are getting at, where Jesus' descent is him coming into the world and his ascent is him rising again as Lord of all. But then I want to jump to verse 11 because verse 11, Paul gives us some examples of the grace that he's given, that he's talking about, talking about here. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. We'll come back to why he mentions those examples first in a minute. But do you see what he's talking about? These gifts to us are people. People who themselves serve other people so that they too, so that we too, may be gifts to serve the rest of the body. Let's go back to verse 11 and 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, and have a listen why, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Do you see what this means? Uh, Service isn't an option. It's a privilege and a responsibility. Uh, And service, (laughs) by its very definition, requires humility, doesn't it? Putting the needs of others in front of your own. If this body is going to work, uh, if our life as a church is going to work, we need each other. And we need each other not just to be present, although being present is a way of serving one another. Uh, I need you to serve me in specific ways and you need me to serve you. And all of us have works of service to do. So when we talk about servants in our church, they're not just a group within our church, they're everyone in our church. Uh, humbly putting each other's interests in front of their own for the sake of building the body. Otherwise, you know, we'd be a body without, like one without an arm or without eyes or without a leg. This is God's, here's a way of remembering it, his bodybuilding program. And no one's ever been mistaken to think that I was doing any sort of bodybuilding program. Uh, but bodybuilding here that makes, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, or more recently, The Rock, uh, look puny, uh, a program where we get to enjoy the benefits and at the same time we get to serve in it. 
Service isn't something we do because we're trying to run an organisation. Serving is being like Jesus, to serve the people of Jesus, which grows us more like Jesus. Seeing that service is part and parcel of who we are as God's people, uh, we're saved people, served people. We've certainly talked about that before as a church, haven't we? I hope there's some questions that are now burning in your mind. How do I know what to do? Uh, How do I know why or how or when or to whom for that matter? Well, that's where the equipping comes in. Uh, And so let me uh, read again verse 11 and 12 so Christ, gave him, uh, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You see, if we're going to serve, we need to be readied for service. We need to be equipped. It's the idea of being prepared so that we can function as part of the body. Uh, and so God's actually given some foundational gifts that the body needs so that we are properly equipped. And here they are in verse 11. They're uh, preachers and teachers of the word. They're people who are involved in the ministry of bringing God's word into people's lives because it's the word of God that is front and centre that prepares us for service. Uh, Just as God's taken proud, self-serving people like you and me, a car wreck almost beyond recognition, and made us roadworthy. In fact, the idea here isn't uh, uh, like going, you know, to a TAFE course and learning some skills for a trade. What's being talked about here is a complete transformation of who we are from the ground up. So I take it those people particularly who have a ministry of teaching God's word here at our church like preachers and growth group leaders and Christianity explored leaders and kids and youth leaders, their work of service is to equip us for our service and then our service. Well, isn't it walking in a manner worthy of our calling? living out the word of God as obedient children, serving our brothers and sisters in all manner of ways, but especially the ways that are going to unfold here in chapters 4 to 6, as well as the other scriptures. Do you remember how earlier on, how I said chapters 4 to 6 are all about our response to God's grace? Well, 7 to 16 is the first worked example. We serve each other, as the church. It's the sort of thing where, you know, response and responsibility, those two words are actually connected, aren't they? Because with a need to respond comes the privilege of responsibility. And so, you know, in our church, I have a responsibility to lead, but I'm not the only one with a responsibility. We all have one. The responsibility to humbly and gently patiently and in love serve one another to build this body and the effects are going to be everywhere serving in response to the word of God serving as we bring the word of God uh, speaking the truth in love into each other's lives 
putting aside our own preferences and priorities to serve one another's preferences and priorities. And some of these works of service have a name or they might even appear on a roster like prayer leader or service coordinator or morning tea server, but plenty don't. And in fact, we'd be selling ourselves short of the wonderful blessings of God if we limit ourselves just to a vision of what can be given a name. I know there are other people who visit the sick in our church There are some who have others over for a meal. There are people you can have a conversation with uh, outside or over a cuppa and they'll remember it and pray for you and follow it up with you in the weeks that come. And I haven't begun to mention all the ways in which the other members of the body have served and continue to serve. These don't appear on a roster, but we need them all. And look, here's another effect of us all getting equipped, all of us serving together. It can't but expand what we, under God, are able to do together. Remember throughout, though, and as we serve each other, as significant as the role is God has given us, it never flows out of our own doing. It never, it's never something that we can be proud of. Who gave the gifts? It's the Lord Jesus. Who gave the words which equip us to use them? Him again. Who is the great equipper and servant? The Lord Jesus. It's all his doing. Nonetheless, get yourself serving. Continue serving. Uh, Be equipped for my part and as leaders in our church and because of its significance we see it as our responsibility to engage everyone in service and if you don't know how to serve or if today you're convicted you should be looking at the next step that you take well let me do a bit of equipping now Uh, it could be as simple as today uh, praying and having one conversation over morning tea after church which you follow up next week with the same person Uh, Why not ask God even now in your mind to give you that opportunity? And don't just scratch the surface, go go a little bit deeper. Maybe you could use the prayer emails that get sent out on a Thursday or the the prayer uh, for mission emails that sometimes come out with it and send a message back to those partners that we have telling them that you've prayed and sharing a little bit about your life. It makes a huge difference. And how do you know what there is, how you might serve? Well, one of the most powerful ways is to ask others in the church. We're given to each other to serve each other, to find ways to serve. Uh, What opportunities are there? Uh, What ability has God given me to meet that opportunity? Shameless plug at this point for this Serving 2022 booklet that we produced at the end of last year and I plugged a few weeks ago and here I am again. Uh, This is a, a book to help us open our eyes to ways of serving among us that enable us to serve one another and others. Uh, I'm thinking this would be so helpful that we'll actually send out an email during the week that has a link to it so you can see it online if you don't have a copy and if you would like a paper copy, we've put some, uh, some extras out 
in the foyer on the info and the, the coffee table, would you read through it and pray and let me or one of our other leaders know you're ready to take a next step? We've been talking, haven't we, about responding to God's grace. Serving one another is entirely appropriate and a wonderful privilege and we've alluded to the goal of what God is doing through us and through this, of how it will turn out. Uh, We heard it read in verses 13 to 16. I'll just pick it up from verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is how God is moving us from being infant Christians to fully grown Christians. This is the way he provides for us to know him so we can be wise to the truth and reject what is false. And it's seen now, even today, in part, but as we read in these final verses of this section, it will be seen fully and finally when the Lord Jesus returns. It'll come about in the lives of people who've already trusted the Lord Jesus and even in the lives of those who haven't yet but will, as together we are growing one growing body. So let's, under God, continue to go, and by God's grace, may we continue to grow. I'll lead us in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you again that your word meets us exactly where we need it to, Uh, that as we've been uh, shown the wonderful riches of your kindness to us, you also show us how to respond in obedience and humility and in love for one another. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would show us the ways as we hear your word and as we use our eyes and minds that you have given us to match the opportunities uh, with our willingness and ability. May you grant us many opportunities to serve each other and may the fruit be your mature church, mature Christians like our great elder brother, the Lord Jesus, and your name glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.